You're listening to the Improve Photography Podcast. Support for today's show comes from Squarespace, the company that makes my photography portfolio. With beautiful templates created by world-class designers, your project on Squarespace will look perfect right from the very, very beginning in just a few clicks. Whether you want to create a photography portfolio, a business page, or a blog to share your ideas, Squarespace is a great place to make your passion project a reality. And you have 24-7 customer support behind you if you need any help. Think it, dream it, make it with Squarespace. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code IMPROVE to get 10% off your, per- your first purchase of a website or domain. Hey everybody and welcome back to the Improved Photography Podcast. I'm your host, Jim Harmer, and today I'm talking with a new voice on the podcast. Brenda Petrella is one of the writers on the Improved Photography website, and today we're going to talk a little bit about photographing the northern lights as well as a few other things. Uh, So welcome, Brenda. Thanks. Well, Brenda, you're a very interesting person, I think, for this podcast because you are currently pursuing landscape photography, um, uh, like for work um as as your career so that's awesome uh yeah and and raising a cow on the side so how in the world did you get to this point in your life what's going on yeah it's very exciting so um yeah i'd never thought if you asked me five years ago if i would be you know turning into a photographer and taking care of a cow, I would have said you were crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, Previously, I was a cancer researcher and then a biosafety officer and uh, overseeing research safety and compliance and heavily involved with, um, you know, research oversight and um, at an academic institution. And uh, that all became a bit too stressful and my passion for it just wasn't there to be working the hours I was working. And so I made the difficult decision about a year ago to resign and take some time off and really just, uh, pursue the things that, um, I feel are quote unquote doing good work and doing the things I love. And one of those is photography. So I actually got my first DSLR just about two years ago. So this is all, uh, very new. It's been sort of a crash course for me. Um, but then in the meantime, last spring, this this cow wandered into our lives, <laughs> um, which may happen more often than I thought living in Vermont, but it w- seemed like a pretty uh, improbable thing. And uh, yeah, so I, I... So you must live in the country. A cow just wandered yeah. over. Yeah. You know, we have some, you know, woods on our property and our, our neighbors were walking around and found this cow that was had porcupine quills in her nose and was starving and terrified of people and... Um, so uh, because I wasn't working, I had the time to basically try to win her trust over and get her food and bring her down. We have a barn, as it turns out, um, which we just had stuff in. So uh, we got her to, uh, it took about two months. We finally got her into the barn and um, I've been taking care of her ever since and learning how to do that. Um, so yeah, it's, and she it turns out she was pregnant. She had a calf. And this so now we have two. thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking of turning it into a children's book. <laughs> uh, it's a book I'd read. Uh, yeah. This is great. So, so what's it like? I mean, you you go from a very stressful academic um, kind of career, and just you know, one day to the next, you got a camera in your hands, and you're out in the landscape, in landscape, just enjoying life. What's this like? 
it's awesome (laughs) (laughs) and scary. I mean, sometimes I'm like, oh my God, what did I do? You know, uh, I left a perfectly good career and, um, but you know, I knew it was sort of killing me on the inside. It was super stressful and, um, I knew I couldn't do it for another 25 years. So I'm at a point in my life where the, it was a good time to sort of pivot and try something new. And, um, you know, and photography is a lot, even though it's an art and a craft, it's a lot like science in a way. And I think that's one of the reasons why I enjoy it so much is, um, you know, there's a lot of technical sides, there's a lot to learn and then apply. And so, you know, I really enjoy and, and proof photography has it have been a fantastic resource for, for me on this is, you know, learning new skills and then going out in the field and applying that and then coming home with the data and analyzing it and seeing, you know, how can it be improved or whatever. And it's much more rewarding than looking at, you know, line charts and bar graphs. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, and then I can share that with people who, who seem to really enjoy it too. Um, and so I've really enjoyed the um, flexible schedule that it's given me. Um, <clears throat> I, I work from home mostly and then um, plan some chips, you know, throughout the year or, you know, I've, since I live in Vermont, this is a really beautiful state. And so I've spent a lot of time driving around um, getting to know just my home state better um, and then trying to put myself out there as much as possible. So at first I thought, well, this is just a hobby. Um, but then I thought, you know, I should really just take those sort of first scary steps out into the world and build a website and start an Instagram account and, you know, not just be sort of this closeted photographer, (laughs) you know? Um, so it's been really fun and, and definitely the business part of it is challenging and trying to find ways of making a living out of this, but, um, I'm trying to, you know, build it and, um, give myself a couple of years to see if I can, uh, really make a go of it or not. Okay, so let's talk about that then. Uh, what what has that process been like in in finding a way to to make a living with with and and you're not even doing weddings and stuff. This is landscape photography, um, right? So so what has what has been the most promising thing you've found so far uh, in finding ways to market and sell your photos? It's, it's very challenging. Um, uh, one is uh, doing some uh, exhibits locally. Um, so like it's mostly been fair? like, yeah, actually at one of the libraries at our college here. Um, and, uh, you know, just small scale, but solo exhibits. And that's been one way to get um, friends and family anyway, or people in the area. I've lived here for a long time, so I have a pretty big community. Um, so I've gotten some print sales uh, through that. Um I've gotten print sales off my website, just uh, some of them coming through from Instagram, uh, people, you know, going from my Instagram over to my website. So that's exciting. Um, And I just signed an art licensing contract. Um, So I'm excited to see sort of where that goes. My my main strategy is to um, diversify, like I think I've learned there's no way anyone makes a living just selling prints. I mean, that's a pretty rare rarity these days, I think. So, um, my goals for 2018 are to, you know, continue pursuing the art licensing, do some stock photography. Um, I've been building up a small portfolio of doing like events. Uh, I, I'm on the board of two nonprofits in the area. So I do a lot of shooting for them. Um, and, uh, you know, trying to support their causes with, through my photography, both of which are sort of outdoor economy related, uh, nonprofits. So, um, 
so yeah, it's it's small. It's not paying the bills very well right now, but um, you know, got to start somewhere. I don't really see myself doing weddings, um, so I'm I'm trying to leave that as a last resort. <laughs> That's good. It's my yeah. last resort too, Brenda. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Gotta be honest. It's my last resort right now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, wow, th- this is so interesting. I love, I, I mean, I just love it. It just really, uh, I, I just love seeing people who are taking life, uh, and just doing with it what you want to do. Um, you know, not that all every part of life has to just be fun and carefree, and you know, some parts are hard, and you got to work through things. And certainly, right. um, starting your own company totally fits that bill. Like it's wonderful and awesome, but holy hard! It's just yeah, <laughs> uh, very challenging, and you're always needing to learn new things. Uh, but yeah. but I love it. I love seeing people who aren't just sitting there complaining about, oh, I hate my job. My boss won't give me a day off. I don't right. get paid enough. <laughs> but instead, people who are just making those things happen. I I love that. I think that's cool. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. And I would say, you know, in terms of dedication and um, time investment and that sort of thing, it's probably, I would say less than what I was doing in my last job, but certainly the intensity is more. And, um, you know, and the time just flies, you know, like the day is just all of a sudden it's boom, it's gone. And I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe I just spent all day, uh, you know, learning this new thing in photography or, you know, I spent 12 hours driving around Vermont or whatever. And, um, and I just love every minute of it. And I, and that just reinforces for me that I've made the right decision. Ah, that's, that's great. So what kind of photos are you finding are, are selling well? Um, a lot of my Vermont photos actually, um, which I was a little surprised by because, um, you know, they're, while Vermont is a really beautiful, state um i don't know if you've ever been out here but uh, i haven't i'm dying to get out there i i, yeah, I gotta really come visit <laughs> wanted to get there for fall color this year and i yeah I, I went on an expedia and i was hovering over the buy button i'm like let's make this happen i'm doing yes. it <laughs> and then i don't know the guy on the left shoulder told me not to i don't know i just didn't get get out there but i, I was dying to just didn't quite yeah. get there well, it's, it, you didn't miss, uh, uh, it was a good year, I would say that, but it was pretty spotty. Um, so you might have found, you know, you might have, it was like a four day window where it, all of a sudden it was like super intense. We had really weird weather this fall. So um, don't, don't consider that you got a big loss out of that. Yeah, okay. I think it would have, yeah, it would have been, been lame. It would have been lame. <laughs> it would have been lame. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, it's a it's a hard place to photograph because you don't have these huge mountain vistas. You know, it's very it's more hilly than it is mountainy. I mean, we have the Green Mountains, but they're not gigantic. You know, um, I think we have one or two four thousand footers or something like that. Um, it there, there's not that majestic epic mountain scene. It's really hard to capture that here. Um, and uh, so I've been focusing more on you know the intimate landscapes. You know, like leaves or inside the woods photos and, you know, um, farm animals, uh, which, you know, there are a lot of here. Um, and sort of that more like classic New England sort of look rather than that, you know, epic mountain, mountain landscape. And, um, I have, you know, as as we'll talk about when we talk about the Northern Lights, I, I took a trip to the Yukon and Alaska. So I have some, you know, great mountain photos from there. And then I was in Idaho actually a couple of summers ago Mm -hmm. and I have some 
some there. Yeah. Um, we took a, a fishing trip in the middle fork of the salmon river. Nice. Uh-huh. Yeah. It was awesome. Um, and those aren't really the big ones that people are, I mean, people are like, Oh, that's great. But I really like this, you know, fall fo- photo, you know, fall colors photo. So, yeah. So more kind of a intimate landscape, fall color stuff, not necessarily the super local ones. Uh, well, super local meaning New England, I would say. Oh, okay, New England yeah. at least, but not not in your state, not in Maine. Uh, no, I'm saying yeah, I'm selling uh, photos that are of my Vermont. Oh, oh but... I see. Okay, okay. Yeah. Well, um, ah, that's just really cool. I I love seeing that. What what amount of your time are you spending shooting versus other stuff? Are you getting out with a camera as often as as you hoped or you thought you would? No, <laughs> uh, which I, is probably true of a lot of photographers. But uh-huh. um, I, I did in the beginning. I, I um, was trying to get out every day. It was just like it doesn't matter, you know. I, as long as I'm hitting the shutter speed, you know, the shutter button, I am happy with taking. You know, I'll learn something by doing that. Um, so even like in my last uh, article, which was on you know cures for your photography funk. Um, you know, a lot of those photos I took just on walks with my dog because, you know, I just would always take the camera with me and just see what I see kind of thing. Um, uh, but lately, since I've been trying to transition into more like, okay, I want to take this more seriously. Um, I've maybe be getting out once a week, once every two weeks where I'll just have an all day, um, photo safari, if you will. (laughs) Um, and a good friend of mine who lives right here in, in uh, Norwich with me, his name is Stephen Gorman. He's sort of a, a premier Arctic photographer and my mentor in all of this. And so he and I will, will you know, go out together, which is a lot of fun. Um, and, uh, yeah, I would say I spend, uh, in terms of, like, my entire day, it's, I would say I spend 30% of my time on photography and or the business of it, uh, 30% on the cows and <laughs> learning how to <laughs> take care of them, <laughs> um, and then 30% on on this nonprofit work that I'm doing. Oh, very interesting. That, that's cool. So, last question. Sorry, I didn't even intend for this to become a full-on interview, but you just have a fascinating <laughs> story. Um, <laughs> last thing is, is photography as enjoyable today that it's a business as before it was a business? Yeah, it still is for me. Um, you know, my favorite days are when I get to go out and shoot. I come back it's just so happy. It's like therapy, <laughs> you know? Um, I mean, some not always. I mean, sometimes there are days when I'm like, oh, I'm just missing the shot every time and I get frustrated, but I try not to come home until I've gotten something, you know? And... Um, so, you know, sometimes then I'll take the, the shots that I don't think are that great and I try to focus on, you know, what can I be doing in post-processing? What can I learn about this that would might, it might not become something I'd put on my portfolio, but maybe I can pick it apart a bit, you know? Um, so it's still valuable. Um, but yeah, I would say I, I still love taking pictures and I can't wait to go out and, you know, sometimes it's more the business side where I'm like, oh, I really need to be you know, doing some promotions or I need to put myself out there more. And that, that stuff I, I enjoy cause it's a challenge and there's so much to learn about that and how to do it well. Um, and I'm really excited to learn all that, but I do, um, miss my camera and being outside and snapping photos, you know, when I'm spending days at my computer. Mm-hmm. I, I can, I can, I feel you there. <laughs> I definitely yeah. understand that. 
Yeah. Well, in the second half, I guess now uh, that we've <laughs> done a 20 minute introduction, but I wanted to know your story. I just love that. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Northern Lights photography. Before we do that, we want to take a second and thank our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Casper. Casper is a sleep brand that continues to revolutionize its line of products to create an exceptionally comfortable sleep experience, one night at a time, and I've loved my Casper for the last year. With three mattress models, the Original, the Wave, and the Essential, Casper mattresses are perfectly designed to soothe and cradle your natural geometry. Not to mention, the breathable design helps you sleep cool and regulates your body temperature throughout the night. And it's delivered right to your door in a small, how did they fit it in there, sized box with free shipping and returns in the US and Canada. But the best part is you can be sure of your purchase with Casper's 100 night risk free sleep on it trial. After all, you spend one-third of your life sleeping, so why shouldn't you be comfortable? Start sleeping ahead of the curve with Casper. I have really enjoyed my Casper mattress. It was it was recommended to me from my brother-in-law uh, after he liked his, and we've been so glad we have it. You can get $50 toward any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash improve and using improve at checkout. That's casper.com slash improve. Offer code improve for $50 off your mattress purchase. Terms and conditions apply. Support for today's show comes from Squarespace. If you're ready to launch a new business, you're ready to take your photography to the next level, you want to create a photography portfolio or sell your work on your website, Squarespace can make your passion project a reality. They have beautiful templates, so you really could just log on there. It's inexpensive to get started. Uh, you can get your own custom domain name. So if you want to be jimharmerphotography.com or whatever you want it to be, uh, you can get your custom domain name so you look professional. And then you just pick a template. You pick whatever template you think is going to work the best for your work. They have some that are specifically work well for photography and showcasing your work. And then really in just a few clicks, even if you're not uh, very technically minded, you can get your website up. They have analytics so you can see how many people are coming to your website, uh, all kinds of extensions, over 200 of them. Um, and with award-winning 24-7 customer support, you'll never be up a creek and not sure how to get out of it. Make your passion project a reality with Squarespace. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code IMPROVE to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com, offer code IMPROVE. All right, Brenda, let's get down and, and down to business here. We've done enough chatting. Let's talk a little <laughs> bit about uh, Northern Lights photography. Uh, so I've I've just had the opportunity to shoot the Northern Lights a few times, and it really was uh, an amazing thing. I really did enjoy it. But uh, you've shot it a little bit more than me, and you literally wrote that, not the book, but the blog post on this topic <laughs> on Improved Photography. You posted photographing the Northern Lights, how not to ruin your shoot. Uh, so I definitely encourage people to, to go check out that article. Um, but tell me what it's like to somebody who's never photographed the Northern Lights or, or seen them in person. What's it like? 
It's pretty amazing. Um, the first time I saw the Northern Lights was in Vermont, actually, and I was driving and, uh, you know, the lights just lit up the sky and it was these ribbons and it was just fluttering across the sky. And I actually at the time had no idea what I was looking at and pulled over and thought I was going crazy. And then uh, it wasn't until other people pulled over that I knew that I wasn't the only one seeing this. Um, so it is, it's spectacular. I mean, even if you look at photos, it's just not going to be the same as seeing it in person. Um you know, time really? lapse. So that that surprises me, uh, because when I've seen the Northern Lights, I I was actually pretty underwhelmed. I I was ex- really? I was expecting more because you see these videos and stuff of the Northern Lights, and they're all time lapses, and so it yeah. makes it look like they're just dancing crazy. Um, and every time I've seen it. Uh, it wasn't like green or purple with the with the natural eye. When you look at it, it just looked like just a cloud. It looked like there was just a a long, skinny uh, set of clouds in the sky, yeah. just a little light gray band, and it was just very slowly kind of moving across the sky. Um, and it was just yeah, you know, it just there wasn't much there. And then yeah. you take a picture of it and. It's this incredible (laughs) green uh, and it's everywhere and the photo looks electric and it's just awesome. And everybody's looking at their camera like, wow, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. Um, And it just looks amazing through the camera. Uh, But with my naked eye, I mean, it was just, uh, well, pretty underwhelming. It just looked like a little gray cloud. Um, yeah, but, but this was amazing enough that like you pulled over uh, the car. It must have been very different from what I've seen. Yeah, the the one I saw in Vermont was just it was it wasn't the swirly cloudy look. It was much more like the the straight ribbons, and it was very fluttery, um, and that's partly why I was just like, whoa, what the heck is going on here? Um, and then you know I I didn't, I didn't wasn't doing photography at that point. This was years ago, um, but um, the you know the next time I went to to see them was a trip to go shoot the Northern Lights, which was up in the Yukon. And, um, and that was amazing. Like there, there definitely were nights where, um, you know, it was pretty dull or it was kind of cloudy and you could tell that the lights were out, but it would just was like you're describing just like sort of a diffuse cloud that's colorful in the sky and not really doing much. But then there were other nights where it was just, Swirl like you just didn't even know where to look because it was swirling around so fast and so bright. And um, I had brought uh, two camera bodies with me to try to, you know, take two different angles of the night. And I'm so glad I did that because I just there was no way to keep up. You know, it was and it was so thrilling. And it was like minus 35 degrees Fahrenheit. <laughs> and like I wasn't even cold because I was just so excited. You know? <laughs> It really so, is. It really is neat when you have a camera. I, I I would have been disappointed if I didn't have a camera, not just to record it, but like it just didn't look that interesting uh, with yeah. your naked eye. And then you take a picture of it, and man, there's something about the Northern Lights. I mean, it just goes crazy in a picture. Yeah. I mean, it's just this <laughs> vibrant looking green. Um, yeah. Where with your naked eye, it just looks like a little gray band i'll never forget uh that that first time that i saw it was on a trip to iceland my first trip to iceland actually with uh, a few of you who are listening to this podcast probably um and it was i I mean never to be forgotten i'll never forget that night uh just it was incredible i mean we were there in iceland at at kirkufell and it's 
there are two little sets of waterfalls and a river and mountain and the lake and the moon started rising at the end. So it kind of put this orange glow over one side and then the green on the other. I I mean, it was just, it it was incredible. It was like a a spiritual experience. I I mean, I I might sound like I'm uh, overhyping it or whatever, but it really was like, to me, it was, it was really just an incredible thing. Yeah. It's very otherworldly. Yeah. Yeah, very cool. All right, so what do you do? Let's talk about the photography part of this. Yeah. Um, but you distracted me with cows, and now you're getting me with the northern lights. Uh, uh, let's talk a little bit about the about the photography part of this. So how do you photograph the northern lights? Okay. Um, so I would recommend, you know, starting off with a, a DSLR camera. I, I have no experience trying to shoot them with an iPhone or smartphone. So I have no idea how to do that or if it's possible, but it probably stinks. It probably does. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, I think it's best to shoot in manual mode because, um, because they, they could change pretty rapidly over the night that you need to be making adjustments on your camera, uh, sort of with each shot. Um, so I would, you know, shoot in manual mode. I would start off with an ISO of 400 to 800 or so at, just as a starting place. And then depending on how bright they are uh, and how fast they're moving and stuff, then you can adjust from there. Uh, in terms of aperture, I would um, use a fast wide angle lens. So I would do something, you know, use a lens that's less than uh, an f-stop of four. Usually 2.8 is recommended for night sky photography and for northern lights. Um, so leave that, you know, have that wide open. And then um, the shutter speed is all going to depend on how fast they're moving and what kind of look you're yet wanting to get in the photo. So for the really rapid ones, like one of the nights when I was in the Yukon, um, my shutter speeds were around two to three seconds, So which, which is pretty fast. Um, and then if they're not that active and they're sort of that more diffuse light, not so bright uh, lights, it could be as long as 25 seconds, but that's that's pretty long. Usually 10 to 15 seconds, I would say, is about the average shutter speed. But, you know, sometimes the lights will go through these like crazy ribbon dances through the sky and then all of a sudden it kind of comes down and then it speeds up again. And so you just kind of have to be ready for changing that shutter speed and just take lots of photos. I wish I would have done that right. When I shot them, it didn't seem to be moving hardly at all. And so I shot a lot of frames with a 30 second uh, shutter speed and it looked awesome. Uh, yeah. But, um, and then I, I reduced my shutter speed to about five seconds and I thought, oh, this is way better. You could see all the little detail of the little dancing band stuff uh, that was right. just getting blurred out in the longer frames. And so I, I messed up most of my shots. I, I mean, they were coming out, looks cool, but I didn't yeah. realize that there was all that great detail that I was just blurring. Right. Yeah. And something like you were saying, sometimes it's just hard to see that with the naked eye. And so mm-hmm. it's good to, to pra- you know, play around with it. Um, and then... Um, other gear, uh, you're going to want to have a good steady tripod and ball head. And and one of the things um, I ran into in shooting in this extreme cold temperatures was <laughs> after a while, my ball head just stopped working. Oh, wow. <laughs> Which was really awful. And so uh, I still haven't figured out why that happened. But when it got, you know, if, if I was out for, say, three hours at minus 35, the ball head just, I couldn't, t- even though I was able to move the knobs to tighten it down, it just wouldn't. Like, really, I could it wouldn't tighten, tighten, huh? 
the ball itself was just a complete flop. What brand um, was this? Uh, Obin. Oh, interesting. Huh. Yeah. I haven't so I, I now that. have a, a really right stuff ball head. And so I'm a, I, I might get to go shoot the Northern Lights again this winter. So I'm definitely bringing that one and I'm hoping that'll be better. But just something to be aware of uh, when choosing a tripod and ball head is really make sure that it can take a beating. <laughs> um, and then uh, I, I find it super handy to have a shutter release um, to because to, you don't want to wiggle your camera at all by, you know, pressing down the shutter button. So it's just good to have. Mm-hmm. Um, a headlamp is always handy uh, when you're shooting at night. Um, you want to ha- also make sure you have extra charged batteries. So, uh, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about shooting in extreme cold temperatures. And, um, you know, it's a common misconception that the northern lights or the southern lights, for that matter, are only um, out, if you will, uh, in the winter. And so you have to be in cold temperatures to shoot it. And that that's not actually accurate. Um it's just that the night is a lot longer in the northern or southern hemisphere in the winter months. And so you have more opportunity to see the lights when, you know, you have more hours of darkness. So typically you are shooting the northern lights at winter, but you don't absolutely have to. So, um, but you're going to want to bring, if you are shooting in cold weather temperatures, make sure you bring a bunch of extra charged batteries and keep them in a pocket, you know, close to your body temperature to keep them warm. I found that um, I have a, a D810 and a D5500, which is a crop sensor. And I found that the D810 batteries actually didn't last as well as the 5500 did. Um, and I had to change them about every 30 minutes um, because they were just losing losing charge in the cold temperatures. Wow, every 30 minutes. Were you keeping yeah. them warm when they were not in the camera? Yeah, I had them you know, in my chest pocket and then, huh. and actually, it, I think it would just get cold, and it's not that it lost its charge altogether. So then I would warm it back up in my pocket, <laughs> and just keep keep the batteries on rotation, basically. Wow, that's interesting. I that is uh, something that I have seen though is that some batteries do much better than others in cold, cold temperatures. I yeah. had a camera a number of years ago. I can't even remember which one it was, um, but you, you would, uh, you know, I would charge them up, get them all ready. I'd walk out into the cold and. I'm not kidding. In five minutes, that battery was gone. It was just Yikes. dead. And the battery would last hours normally. Uh, but in right. the cold, even if I had it, you know, in my pocket, keeping it warm, I mean, it would just, verp. it was, I mean, five minutes. Like you could almost see it losing power if that's even a possible thing. Uh, it was just really bad. Uh, so I, I have noticed that it must be something in the shielding around the battery cells. I don't know. Yeah. So one thing that I learned, um, in doing this, uh, you know, a little tip is, you know, when you're shooting in such cold temperature, it's really hard to stay warm, right? So one of the things is you don't really want to take your gloves off to handle things like your tripod because it could just really kind of burn your fingers if it's too cold. Um, and, and so I found that um, wearing, you know, thin merino wool glove liners actually worked really well. And then I could, you know, with that, it was, I had enough, you know, tactile tactile ability to still change my battery while it was on the cam- on the tripod. So I didn't have to take, you know, everything apart to change my battery. So I would, if you've never shot in cold weather or at night, it might be a good thing to practice before you go out is, do you know how to change your battery on your tripod, um, you know, in the dark <laughs> uh, and not drop your battery in the snow or whatever. So um, just a little tip. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. 
Well, um, ah, I, I love the Northern Lights. I've got to get out and shoot them again. Uh, I see. I was going to say this winter, but <laughs> I always think yeah. of shooting it in the winter. And, and we do see it like in Idaho. We do see the Northern Lights sometimes. Uh, it's certainly not every night or anything like that. And I I've never seen them with my naked eye in in Idaho that I was like, oh, that's the Northern Lights. It's never been that bright. But if you're shooting and you're pointed in the right direction, um, yeah, you can see them sometimes and even get, you know, an amazing looking photo with them. Just that uh, it's you won't you won't like experience them like you normally would just just with a camera. You can pick it up usually. and, And actually, this has happened. I don't know. 10 or 15 times for me shooting in Idaho. I'll be out in the back country away from any city lights shooting and you'll just see this kind of green glow on the horizon and you know what that's it. Uh, you know, right. that's it. It's actually kind of annoying when that happens because it just looks super fake. Uh, you right. know, you don't, if you or don't see like the band of the Northern Lights, it's just kind of like, huh, weird green city lights on the horizon. Right. And so <laughs> sometimes it's kind of a nuisance. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, so other things to look out for when you're shooting, you want to, you know, obviously the dark, clear nights are best and a moonless night is best unless you want to use that to your advantage to light up a specific element in the foreground. Mm -hmm. Um, but it will, it will dilute sort of the intensity of the lights if you're shooting with the moon out. Um, yeah. And even don't discount, you know, if you look at the, at the moon forecast and you see it's going to be a full moon, that doesn't necessarily mean that you won't be able to see the, the Northern lights before the moon rises or after the moon sets. And so, and that's how I saw it the first time, just the moon, it was going to be, I think a full moon that night. And so we thought, ah, yeah, right. It's not going to happen. But then we saw the Northern lights and it was wonderful. I mean, like an incredible experience, uh, since we had a camera, um, (laughs) and then the moon rose and it was gone pretty quickly after that. So, so don't not go out just because it's going to be a full moon. Right. Yep. Um, and so another tip is to, uh, check sort of the Aurora forecast before you go out. Um, and there are a lot of, uh, resources for that on the internet and there's a lot of apps that you can also check out. So the first place I would go to is NOAA's Space Weather Prediction Center and they have, um, a three hour predictive index. It's called the KP index. It's an index from zero to nine and it's basically telling you the, the prediction of how active the solar wind activity will be in the north and whether or not, you know, how intense the northern lights will be. So I've never seen it go above six, but usually, um, you know, if it's in the three to six range, you're going to see the lights that night, typically. Um, uh, so if it's at one or two or, you know, zero to two, it might not be worth going out in the middle of the night and freezing your butt off. <laughs> um, because it, it might not be that active of a night. So so definitely check that out. And then there are a bunch of um, free and paid um, uh, apps that you can get to check. I haven't found them to be super helpful. So typically what I'll do is I'll just check all of them. Uh, the, the apps that I tend to use are the Aurora Now, Aurora Alerts, and Aurora Saurus. And I just sort of Aurora compare Saurus. them. Aurorasaurus, that's the Aurora best Saurus. name ever. That's awesome. <laughs> ah, I wish yeah, I would have actually, came up with that. Yeah, I know. Uh, it's a research project funded by the NSF. Um, so they have people who, it's more of a, it's not a predicting um, app as much of it as it is a people reporting that they've seen it app. Hmm. Um, so it might, you know, confirm 
that it's going on in your location or something like that. So it's always good to just check them all and see see what they're all saying and, and take the you know the most common denominator between all of them and uh, plan plan your night that way. Um, let's see what else. Uh, some other tips. Um, it's good to. Um, so should we talk about cold weather stuff for a little bit? Yeah, let's do it. It's getting right. cold in the northern hemisphere. Exactly. Um, so we talked a little bit about keeping your hands warm. Um, one thing that I found to be helpful about this was just put hand warmers in my pockets. And then anytime I wasn't handling the camera, I could just hold on to them. And that actually kept me pretty warm. I was surprised. I, I tend to get freezing cold hands and feet. So I was a little worried about that. Um, the other thing that I found is, you know, because you really don't want to take your gloves off and expose your skin to super cold temperatures. Um, you know, my, my Nikon D5500 has a touchscreen LCD, and so I actually can't change some settings without touching the LCD, which I can't do with cold fingers <laughs> or ah. with a glove on because um, don't, you just don't have that dexterity. So just bring along a stylus, a stylus that you would use on your iPad or whatever would work just fine for that. Um, and then... Oh, that's um, interesting. I, I didn't realize that you couldn't... Well, I guess that makes sense because they only have one scroll wheel on that camera. Right. Oh, that's kind of, that, yeah, that would be frustrating for shooting in it the was, cold. It, yeah, it was really frustrating. So uh, that was one way around that. Um, we already talked about, you know, keeping batteries warm. Um, and then in terms of um, what to wear, as many layers as you can is <laughs> really the best thing. Like lots of base layers, down, uh, like a down vest and a down jacket, a hood with a hat, insulated boots, sock liners, all that kind of stuff. Um, those are all um good things to keep you warm. Um, and then in terms of your camera, one thing that I ran into, and I don't know how, how to prevent this really, but try not to breathe on your camera. <laughs> um, you know, you're trying to dial in your, um, your frame, you know, and, and get the right foreground and all that. And, you know, at night it's hard to do that sometimes through uh, live view. And so every once in a while I would have to use the viewfinder to do that. And just putting my face up to the camera would cause the whole LCD screen to freeze over and I couldn't see anything. So I was like scraping um, frost off the back of my camera. <laughs> so um, try to hold your breath if you're going to stick your face up near your camera to prevent it from from your breath from freezing on your camera yeah i noticed in one of your articles recently you mentioned uh, a lens warmer um and yeah. that really is very helpful i am in fact i'm holding mine right now i had left it on my desk which is why i'm thinking about it but i actually use it more than i thought i would uh, i thought i would just kind of use it for time lapse but boy when it's super cold outside and you're taking your gear out of your out of your bag uh, it, it's pretty common that, that my lens is going to fog up during the winter. Uh, so if right. you just kind of chuck that on there, so it's a, it's a cuff. It kind of looks like a, a, a neoprene bracelet, uh, and yeah. it just wraps around your lens and then it has a little cord and then it just has a USB connection. And then you just plug it into a, like an external battery for a cell phone. Um, and right. if you just kind of leave that on while it's in your bag and you can get in and out of the car and move around and stuff all night and you won't have that fogging up hopefully right exactly um another another way to do that is to use hand warmers um and and i've done that um for a long time where you just take you know a couple of hand warmers and you put them around your lens with a rubber band it does this it does this basically the same exact thing and sometimes you can even if you really want to you know 
dress your camera up, you can put <laughs> hand warmers around the lens and you can also put it around the, the battery area to keep the battery warmer, you know, for an extra 30 minutes or whatever. Uh-huh. Um, so that, that can help. Um, the other thing about preventing frost on your lens besides, um, you know, using the lens warmer <clears throat> is uh, also using a lens hood that just helps a little bit with any moisture that might be in the air from getting onto your lens. And then the other thing is uh, don't go in and out. Like don't bring your, if you have like say a warming hut near you or your hotel is close by and you want to go back out again that night to shoot, leave your camera outside. Cause as soon as you bring it inside, it's going to condense all that moisture inside the room is going to um, condense on the camera that's super cold. So one thing you can do is, um, you know, wrap your camera up in a, like a, a down jacket and stick it in your bag. And then it will, um, take a much longer time to warm up because it's being insulated by that down. Mm-hmm. Um, or you can stick it in a plastic bag with some, um, of those, uh, blanking on the name, but those like desiccate pellets that you get in a, like a shipment, um, oh yeah, the little silica gel things. Yeah, the silica gel things. Um, usually, I just bring a bag of those with me. I save them from when I get a package, and I bring a bag. And then I, you can stick your camera in a in a plastic bag with that, and that will help decrease moisture from hitting your camera or getting inside your lens. I've had that happen before too, or it got inside the lens, and then I couldn't use that lens, you know, for most of the rest of the day. So yeah, sometimes it takes a couple of days to get it all out. Yeah. Um, and um, if you do leave your camera outside, like if it's safe to do that, then definitely bring in your memory card and your batteries. You can bring those in with you, but I would leave everything else outside. Very um, good. Yeah. Well, awesome. I, Brenda, you've been a wealth of knowledge. I really appreciate uh, uh, you being on the podcast. It was fun to talk with you and get to know a little bit of your of your story as well. Uh, but in every episode, we like to leave our listeners with a doodad of the week. And so what do you have for us? All right. So my doodad has to do with uh, shooting at in cold temperatures, uh, not surprisingly. So I recommend getting the um, EMS closed cell phone sleeping pad. It's about 15 bucks. It's really cheap. It's very lightweight. Um, and uh, it's basically just a like a half inch thick, inch thick um, closed cell foam that you can cut into smaller pieces if you need to um, and roll it up and stick it, you know, with your tripod on your backpack. And then I just use that to stand on while I'm standing on the snow as a way of um, keeping my feet warm. It just creates enough of an insulating barrier that um, it's just better than standing on the snow and you can sit on it if you get tired. So, yeah. Oh, very nice. That's very, very handy. Uh, and my doodad this week is also for cold weather, since we've been talking about that, um, is the kind of system I've I've started using for photography for my gloves. So I have the the, the Valerit uh, photography gloves um, that's uh they aren't super warm they're they're a very lightweight glove uh, for a day when it's a little uncomfortable uh, in a in a without a glove but you don't need to have one um, yeah. then I I really like those those because they have kind of tips that you can just fold over uh, to be able to to use your fingers and stuff on the camera and then put them back in but it's not warm enough for a super cold day and so for that uh, and this is my doodad is the three finger gloves from outdoor research I really love three finger gloves it makes you look like a ninja turtle <laughs> but uh, they are awesome because it it's kind of 
it you know gives you the the dexterity for your first finger and your thumb to have those separate um, right but then your other three fingers are all kind of in like a mitten so it keeps them warmer every glove should be a three finger glove it's really great <laughs> yeah. um, I, I had not seen them before and I thought oh man this is going to look dumb uh, but I'm telling you these are so functional so they're the awesome. outdoor research three finger gloves great i'll have to check them out anyway so so i use the valeric glove as kind of of a liner inside those and they these gloves actually come with a different liner you could use as well um but just a liner that you can remove to quick do something on your camera uh, with just the liner on your fingers and then you stick it back in the main glove and that's been a good system for me good well, uh, Brenda, I also want to mention the, uh, you are an active Instagrammer. Uh, so to check out your work, it is, you're just Brenda Petrella on, on, uh, Instagram. That's right. Yep. And, uh, my portfolio is on my website at brendapetrella.com. If anybody wants to check it out. Very cool. You have some great work. Thanks, Thank Brenda. You so much. And we'll see you in another seven days.